Welcome to Raiders on the Record, the podcast featuring Hastings High School Athletics. I'm Athletic Director Trent Hansen. My colleague Tim Hanneberg and I work together to bring you the stories of Raiders sports. We are thrilled to share conversations with the athletes, coaches, and alumni that represent Raider Nation. Check back weekly and be sure to share this podcast with your friends in the Raiders Network. During his time at Hastings High School, he participated in football and swimming. Dr. Rupp was a state place winner in the 100-meter backstroke in 1977 and a state champ in the 100-meter backstroke in 1979 and 1980. He was also a high school All-American in 1979 and 1980 as well. From there, Dr. Rupp competed in swimming at the University of Minnesota, where he was a four-year letter winner, 11-time Big Ten finalist, co-captain in 1983 and 1984, and was an Olympic trials qualifier in 1984. He came back to Hastings after graduation and became the Hastings High School boys head swim coach in 1988 and the girls head coach in 1991. After a short hiatus in the early 2000s, Dr. Rupp took over for the boys program again in 2004 and became an assistant girls coach in 2006, which he has held since. All right, Dr. Rupp, take us uh, through your background a little bit. Um, family growing up, brothers, sisters, if you're originally from Hastings, things of that nature. Yeah, so uh, we moved here when I was five years old back in 1967. Uh, I have two older brothers, one's seven years older, one's five years older. And then I was kind of came along after the fact there. So uh, my dad did traveling work. He was a, a inspector in oil refineries. His company was based out of uh, Des Plaines, Illinois, but we got put in Minneapolis or, you know, Hastings actually. So that's how I ended up here. Um, so basically since five years old, I've been a resident of Hastings. Uh, it's kind of, it's been the home for me. Uh, obviously I went to uh, Pinecrest Elementary School and then from there the middle school and high school. Um, can remember, but way back when in high school, my buddies and I just couldn't wait to get the heck out of Hastings. We thought it was so boring and no, nothing to do in this and that. And, you know, you, you look at, you look at how you, you progress. You know, I went to the university of Minnesota for a few years, and then I went to chiropractic college. And by the time I finished chiro school, I started looking at Hastings a little differently. And you thought, you know, that wasn't such a bad place to grow up. You know, you, you knew people, um, you know, if you happen to forget to lock your car, you might have been okay overnight with not stuff being missing your stereo or things like that. And, you know, it was really a great place to come back to. And that's, that's why I was happy to, uh, to get my first coaching, my high school coaching job here at Hastings. That's awesome. So sports, uh, we're going to get deep into sports here and your history with sports too, but take us back, maybe your earliest sports memory growing up. Yeah. You know, um, Probably my, my first my first memory of, of uh, in competitive swimming, you know, it's kind of funny because my parents put me in competitive swimming to lose weight because I was a pudgy little kid. And they thought, well, it's a good way for him to lose weight. And and uh, one day at the end of practice, um, the coaches were doing some time trials. And they had a stopwatch out and they said, hey, why don't you go do a 100-yard backstroke? And so I swam a 100-yard backstroke. And I, I still see this. I finished the race. And the two coaches looked at their old, you know, those old analog stopwatches and they're looking at each other and they're looking at their watch and they couldn't believe the time because I had made a top qualifying time. Back then it was A, B and C. I made it A time my very first time out and they couldn't believe it. And so I just thought, wow, this is something for me. And, you know, I might be good at this. That's awesome. Talking about you growing up as well. It could be uh, maybe a, a job that you had later on maybe in high school or uh elementary or not elementary you probably weren't working then but maybe middle school think about your earliest job that you can remember too growing up i think the earliest job that i had was uh i worked at perkins family restaurant believe it or not i was a dishwasher um you know so i worked there for nine months and and that was you know my my junior and, and senior year well junior year mostly and uh, i remember Friday nights, you know, you get done with a football game and then you got to go into work at midnight, work bar rush or whatever. And, and so, you know, that job was a lot of fun. We had a lot of high school guys working there. And, and, and uh, from there, um, well, they, they, they moved me out of the kitchen into trying to be a waiter. But 
kind of funny. Guys aren't real good at remembering these little details like bringing the drinks to people and things like that. And I didn't last long as a waiter, just wasn't my thing. So I ended up uh, switching jobs and went to work for uh, white drug stores and I was a, st a stock person and, and did that. So, you know, and, and in, the, in the spring, I went out to Law's Nursery and dug trees. And, and uh, so, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, jobs didn't pay a whole lot, but you gave you a little bit of spending money and gas money. And, and those were cool things. That's awesome. So getting right into sports then, walk us through your sports history. Let's just go from maybe kindergarten, if you're playing sports at early first grade, uh, sports you grew up playing in town and let's maybe stop right around sixth grade. So kind of right when you got uh, to the middle school level. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I started playing, um, well, first of all, it was kind of cool back in the neighborhood, you know, back in those days, there weren't organized sports. You didn't have dads that had the teams all organized. You just took everybody in the neighborhood and went out in the yard and played, you know, we played boot hockey. We played basketball in my driveway, you know, all sorts, 21 horse pig, you know, competitive pickup, whatnot. And you could have, a, you know, three, four grade levels all in the same. You know, we go out in the backyard and, and play kill the carrier, you know, one guy has a ball and like 15 guys jump on him, stuff like that. And it's kind of how you grew up. It's just learn how to, how to compete with other our kids. So in the summertime, I, you know, I started with little league baseball, like everybody else did. And kind of a funny thing, I'm a lefty. I'm left-handed, but when you get up to bat, when you're a little kid, you just go up and follow the kid next to you or in front of you. So I always went to the right side of the plate. And uh, consequently, I think because of that, I was a little bit, my body was confused and I wasn't much of a hitter. So they used to call me the big K back in Little League. You know, I was the big strikeout guy, strikeout king. But, uh, you know, had fun playing, had fun playing the Little League baseball. And, and uh, you know, again, we didn't have Pop Warner or Little Raiders football. That was all just... Hey, everybody just go over to Bill's house and let's just, you know, pick up team or kill a carrier or whatever. And, you know, those are the kind of things we did. You know, I also, like I said, started swimming when I was nine years old and, um, you know, I swam, you know, pretty much year round uh, in, in elementary school. We had basketball team in fifth and sixth grade. Again, it was just the two FIED teachers said, okay, guys, go pick five of your buddies and make a team, you know? So we tie dyed t-shirts and put magic marker on them, you know, and, and things like that. And, and uh, it got down to sixth grade when I had to decide, do you want to play basketball or you want to be a swimmer? And, you know, I was 12 years old and I was at the top of my age group for swimming for that particular year. And I was lucky enough to uh, set a new state age group record in, in of all things, backstroke. And so uh, that kind of made the decision for me that I should probably stick with swimming as opposed to playing basketball. And as you know, as a, you look on through the future, it really was a good decision and never looked back and a very, very wise one. And it worked out well. Awesome. So then we get to about the middle school years and a lot of times people start kind of finding their niche with uh, sports and things like that. So walk us through, did you start doing swimming more full-time where there's some other sports going on too? Walk us through maybe seventh and eighth grade. Did you get brought up to uh, the JV level, the high school? Or was it middle school swimming? Walk us through what the, the middle school years looked like um, for you with sports. Yeah, you know, back in those days, we had a lot more kids that went out for competitive swimming. So in seventh and eighth grade, we actually had our own, um, of course, back then it was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. So we were a junior high school and we actually had our, our separate swim team from the high school because we had enough numbers. And so that was kind of fun to be able to be involved with the, the junior high school swim team in seventh and eighth grade. And, and well, those two years, that's when I was on the, the junior high team. Um, also, you know, again, with all our backyard football stuff, you know, I got started playing football in seventh grade, organized tackle football. It's when we started. And, uh, you know, I just loved it. I, I love playing, playing football. You know, I mean, I was, I was a skinny kid at that point. I'd lost a ton of weight because I was doing double practices for swimming in junior high school. I'd, I'd go to the junior high practice and then I go for another hour and a half to the club practice. And so I was working out, you know, two and a half, three hours a day, which back then was quite a bit. Now, a lot of kids do it. You know, most kids that want to be serious do those kind of workouts, but we didn't do that stuff back then, but I doubled up and, and um, you know, so I really pushed hard in the swimming thing. But like say in the fall, I took off the swimming and focused totally on football and, and just had a blast learning all sorts of different things with the coaches throughout the years. And, and um, you know, um, I was one of those guys, like I said, I was a skinny guy, so I had good hands, but I wasn't much of a blocker. The only problem was when you're tall, at back in those days, I said, oh, I say you're tall, you play lineman. 
said, well, wait a minute. I'm like, you know, a buck 20 and I'm supposed to play line. You get shoved around by those little pudgy guys. But um, it was still a lot of fun just to just to be involved with that and, and uh, you know, make, make some new friends with some of the football guys. Anything in the springtime? You know, um, I I went out for track, but it's kind of a funny thing. You know, swimmers are, you know, a lot of times they said they're fish out of water, you know, and I wasn't much of a runner. You know, I was I was good at what I did in, in the pool, but you know, I'd go out and I'd run a little bit, but um, I come to find out years later that I had exercise induced asthma. And also um, I found out, you know, through graduate school that I had uh, restricted airway. So basically it's like, instead of breathing through a big tube, you're breathing through a straw. So, you know, when you go running, the longer you go, the more oxygen debt you you're into. And pretty soon you just can't catch your breath. You're so, you're so gassed. And, and I found that out years later. It's like, well, that's why I wasn't much of a runner. Cause I just couldn't do it. You know? So I tried field events. I tried shot put, I tried discus, you know, watching the big oafs out there doing some stuff that were pretty funny to all us, you know, skinny guys, but you know, spring was kind of fun. Just kind of like, it was, it was, uh, nothing serious. I wasn't good at the sports. I just went out to have fun and that's just enjoy being around people. That's awesome. Do you think taking that time off of swimming in the, in the fall, then playing football, do you think that helped your body maybe a little bit more with swimming or did you think you're kind of ready for the swimming season, made you hungrier for when swimming kind of came around? You know, I think it was very important and I still kind of preach that to this day. You know, you have a lot of coaches that say, you know, you need to train all the time no matter what sports you're in, you know, it's like train, 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 you know, you're going to be behind, be behind if you don't, you know, when I was in high school sports, you know, I took off the entire spring. I came back, swam from say June to beginning of August. Then I took off from August to November. So, you know, I was taking four months off a year from, from, from training swimming to do other things. Mentally, I think it was awesome because when you come back to the sport you truly love, you're just that much hungrier and you're ready to go because you're not burned out. As a high school coach, I've seen so many kids that, you know, now in the age of specialization, that's all they do. By the time they hit junior year, that's all they know. And so they continue to do it because it's all they know, but they hate it. And they're just, they're so done. They're burned out, but they continue to do it because that's all they do. So I really think it was beneficial for me to, to take that time off, get away, do something different. Even if I wasn't good at it, like, like just, you know, track something different to, to get you hungry for the sport you love again. That's awesome. So then we get through eighth grade. Uh, we get to the high school, walk us through maybe each year of your high school career, what sports you were doing and then accomplishment accomplishments with uh, each sport each year. Yeah. So, so, you know, back, back in those days, you know, ninth grader again was still junior high school, but if you were exceptionally gifted in your sport, you might have a chance of getting moved up to, you know, in a lot of sports, maybe uh, B squad or, you know, JV Well, in our sport, we, we had basically the high school team was varsity. And so in ninth grade, I was good enough to move up to the varsity program. So I was one of two, I think one of two athletes in my entire high school class that actually were moved up to uh, to uh, high, to the varsity level, and a couple other ones were skiers because at that point they were taking grade seven through twelve just because they were so good. But you know, playing going to ninth grade and, and started out in the fall playing football. You know, uh, Jake Moore, Jake been here forever. You know, Jake was coach of the blue blue team, and I and I had uh, Mr. Dahlberg. He was coach of the gold team, and. And, uh, you know, those were fun matches. I remember out there running those Raider makers and back, back in Kennedy when there's nothing but gravel out there. And we had guys diving for the line to make the time. And Jake would just love it. He was evil. You know, he would just love guys not making the making the, the runs and you had to do them over again. And and uh, the blue goal game was always a, a highlight of everybody's season. But, you know, going through that and, and then switching over into the swim season and, and a coach that I had back then, his name was John Delburn. He was a, a high school athletic, uh, well, excuse me, he was a, back then to call him PE, you know, phi ed teachers. And, um, you know, he really, really sparked the fire in me. He was a backstroker just like I was. And, and you know, he recognized some talent and I really bonded with him. And he was a no-nonsense guy, but if you did what you're supposed to do and not cause trouble, you know, he, he, was, he was in your corner. So it was nice that he brought me up and, and I got a taste of, you know, going to the section meet. Um, I went to the state high school meet as a ninth grader and uh, placed in the uh, 
at that time they were top 12 and I placed, I think like eighth or ninth in the, in the hundred yard backstroke in ninth grade. So kind of gave me a little taste for what the state was all about and, and what you needed to get back. So, um, you know, ninth grade year was really a year of wrecking and, and reckoning and losing or learning a, a lot about, you know, what the high school sports all about. That's awesome. And then going into the 10th grade, did you continue yeah. with football and then and swimming as well, obviously? Yeah. Yeah. So, so 10th grade got into that, you know, and, and again, played football. And I, like I said, I was, you know, I was six foot two in 10th grade, but I weighed a buck 70. So, you know, you put me on the line against some of those younger guys, you know, or man, smaller guys, but, but wide, you know, and I got pushed around quite a bit. I had good hands, but I couldn't block with a darn. That's not real good for tight end when they throw one pass, but every three games, you know, so, um, but it was, you know, it's still, it was a lot of fun to be involved with those guys in that sport because I loved it so much. Uh, 10th grade was, was looking to be a good breakout year for me in, in swimming um, at the state meet. Uh, we went into the, the state qualifiers or the, the preliminaries uh, with a number one ranked uh, relay in the state. Um, one of our senior football players was also our butterflyer and the guy was, you know, back then benching 300 pounds was a lot of weight. You know, now a lot of kids can do that, high school kids, but this guy was just a brute. Well, problem was that he just tightened up like a drum, you know, in his race. And we went from first place to 13th and we didn't even make finals. And then, you know, moving forward in the meet, I got to my event, the 100 yard backstroke. And uh, I was neck and neck with a guy who eventually won the state title. Well, in my third turn, I went into the wall and I, I flipped too early, I turned too early, I didn't touch the wall first with my hand, and I had an official standing right over my lane, he saw it, I come out of my turn, he raised his hand, and I knew that my dreams were over for that year, I just couldn't believe it, I was totally disbelief, so, you know, you, you left with kind of a sour taste in your mouth, as far as, you know, I worked so hard, and, and I can't believe that this happened, but, you know, you, you take that lesson, you learn from it, and, and decide, okay, what can I do differently next year, and, uh, you know, corrected it. And so when I was able to come back my junior and senior year, uh, you know, I won the state meet, you know, the state title in the backstroke two years running. So, you know, you take that adversity, you learn from it and, and you move forward and, and try to make a positive. That's awesome. Were you strictly the hundred meter backstroke? And you said the, was it yeah, the you, four by one medley then? Is that what it's yes. called? Or? So, so what we had was a, uh, it was a 200 yards, so four by 50. Um, and so my 10th grade year, I had quite a few guys around me that upperclassmen that were really good. Well, then they graduated. And so, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, I was kind of a one man show my junior and senior year. So we didn't have, uh, guys that were, you know, a support cast and get us to state meet. So, you know, I qualified for the backstroke. That was my main event. I also swam, um, a hundred yard butterfly as well, but, you know, I just, couldn't, couldn't quite get over the top and get in the state meet, you know, it's kind of funny. I look back years later and go, geez, I can't believe I never made the state in a hundred butterfly, but you know, backstroke was my thing. Um, you know, my junior year, I, I went in seated second and I came out, you know, a commanding win and I was uh, all American that year. And I had the 12th fastest time in the nation in that event. So it was pretty cool because all of a sudden you start hearing ding dong, here come college coaches looking at you. So that was kind of a, you know, it, very much of an honor and an excitement to, to have coaches come and send you letters. And they even had the University of Nebraska coach come to the high school and want to have a sit down with me. And, and so we chatted and that was pretty cool. That kind of got out amongst the ranks around school. And I remember my football coach at the time, you know, that afternoon, he says, say, I hear the University of Nebraska coach was here, you know, so it's just, you know, it's just kind of cool to, to be recognized for that and, and to know that people take notice on, on what you're doing. That's awesome. We could fast forward a little bit and then talk about the recruiting process. Uh, what what kind of went into that then? Where where were you looking? And then um, where you ultimately landed? And then we could kind of start from college there too then. Yeah. So, you know, um, like I said, that was my first recruiting experience was having the coach from the University of Nebraska come and, and talk to me right in the uh, guidance counselor's office. Now, Nebraska had won at that time is called the Big Eight Conference. They had won the Big Eight Conference 20 years running. So to have a coach from the 20 year consecutive big eight champions come to your high school to talk to you, you know, that's pretty cool. We were pretty excited about that. So we, we set up a recruiting trip. I went down to Lincoln and uh, 
you know, saw everything they had to offer. And he was kind of cool, went into, you know, well, their old athletic director, Bob Devaney, you know, the, the big sports center was named after him. So the Devaney Sports Center got to go and see the football field and go in the basketball arena. And they actually had the men's NCAA gymnastics championships the weekend that I was there. So got in to go that and see that and see, you know, meet a couple of the athletes and that and, you know, and talk about the University of Nebraska training table, which, you know, a lot of teams didn't have at that time in college. But of course, again, Nebraska, you know, they were so big in football that, you know, they, they got whatever they wanted. So it was kind of cool to see all those things. Funny thing is, though, you know, the guys that I was put with for recruiting, you know, my, my hosts, you know, they were a bunch of California guys that were there. And, uh, you know, in recruiting, I found out that you pretty much can get a feel within the first hour to two hours you're there. Is this a good fit or is this not a good fit? You know, and those guys, you know, all they cared about was, well, how good are you? What are your times? They didn't ask what, you know, what do you do? What do you like? What do you, whatever, you know, and, and, you know, I was a small town home, homeboy kid, you know, it's like, and, and going to there, it's like, I didn't have a good feel about what was going on there, even though the facilities and everything was so fantastic, you know, it just didn't feel right. And so, you know, I came home, they, they gave me an offer on my way back to the airport on what they were going to offer me for a scholarship for the first year. And then the second place I got recruited was University of Minnesota. Now, it's kind of funny. We went to a University of Minnesota hockey game, but guess what? All the best players were on Team USA. So they weren't even there for the Gophers. They're all, you know, getting ready for the, the Olympics and, you know, in Lake Placid. So we got and went and watched the, you know, the Gophers get beat up by somebody, Colorado College or something. But, you know, I felt a, you know, a good kinship with these guys. You know, it just it, it felt pretty good. And, you know, they were it was close to home. You know, I knew everything. I was very familiar with it. And I kind of liked that, you know, so they they made their offer. And then in the spring, I went to the University of Wisconsin. Wisconsin, if you've ever been to that campus in Madison, man, it's spread out. And it just, they, those guys wore me out. They had me walking from the time I was there to the time I got back. And, and the pool was on the far end of campus. And and I just said, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I'm used to, you know, in high school, you drive your car everywhere. And these guys were walking me just, you know, just, I was so wiped out. So in the end, you know, I, I received offers from all three programs and um, it just so happened that Minnesota uh, offered me the most money in scholarship. It was the closest to home. I wasn't really a kid that was itching to get out on my own and to, to spread my wings. I still kind of want to be closer to home. My buddies were at home and, and I just felt it was a good fit. And so I chose the University of Minnesota after all those three offers. That's awesome. Did you compete in swimming um, every year you were there? Yeah, I did. I, I, I competed, you know, freshman year through senior year. Um, so, you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, be a Big Ten finalist right away as a, as a freshman uh, in both my 100 and 200 yard backstrokes. Uh, we had a guy that was pretty darn good. And, in, in, you know, I was that, that's another thing, too. When you go from high school, when you haven't lost a race in two years and you're the greatest thing since sliced bread and all of a sudden you go to college, and you were a superstar back in high school. And guess what? You're just an average Joe, you know, and it was really a, a difficult uh, transition going from being number one to being number three on the depth chart, a distant number three. And so your ego takes a huge, you know, wallop, but you have to kind of work your way through that. Um, you know, so that was freshman year, learning a lot about what we had to do. You know, high school season was uh, like a 10, 12 week season and, and a college season was a 20 week season. So it's double the time. So you had to learn how to pace yourself out and, and when you had to peak and whatnot. Um, so that was ninth or uh, freshman year and moving forward to 10 or the sophomore year, then the big backstroker, he was gone. He graduated. So then it was me. Uh, and, and so, um, you know. By the time I finished up with my career, I, I was an 11 time Big Ten finalist. So I, I you know, at the time you didn't, you didn't think it was that great, but now I look at guys in college and, and my sport and being 11 time finalists, you know, it, it's, it's pretty cool to, to get there, you know, and, and I culminated with uh, qualifying for the, the 1984 US Olympic trials. Uh, so that was, that was kind of one of my, my, my goals to get to. Um, unfortunately, by that time, as a lot of college athletes can, can attest, I was kind of burned out on my sport. It, it, it no longer was something you love to do. It became a job. 
you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're on a scholarship and you're getting paid. And I, I remember many days I'd be walking across campus, freezing my tail off going, why do I do this? It's 6 a.m. Why am I doing this? And immediately I'd say, because you're getting paid, you know, in essence, you know, they're, they're paying for your scholarship and for your ed education. So by my senior year, I qualified for the trials and I just said, you know, I, I made the qualifying time. I had a really good meet at the Big Ten Conference meet, all lifetime best swims. Why not go on top? You know, go out when you did everything right. And and are you going to regret not going to Olympic trials? Maybe, you know, but the top two guys in my event went on and won gold and silver at the Olympics. So everyone pretty much knew what, you know, who was going to go in my event. Everybody else, the rest of everybody was going to go there just for pride. And so I felt good about my my decision of, of, of you know, ending my career, moving forward, doing some different things. And, and uh, you know, it, it turned out well. That's awesome. So we'll stop right there with, with the college talk. Let's rewind back to high school a little bit. Sorry. I know we, we got it kind of on a, the Nebraska. So I wanted to stick with that, but let's go back to high school. Yeah. Thinking about thinking about your athletic career. What was the most rewarding part of being a, uh, an athlete at Hastings high school? Um, just go through that process. Something that was super rewarding while you were an athlete. Yeah. You know, one of the things that was just so important to me, like I said, I was, I was, you know, fair to Midland as a football player, but I remember um, my senior year, uh, I was number two in the depth chart at defensive end, and the guy in front of me got punched in the mouth the first game by a kid from Stillwater, just, you know, fluke, and he broke his jaw. So I got promoted to, to starting defensive end, and it doesn't seem like such a big deal. You see the kids now, they run out from the team, you know, and they go out in the middle of the field. Well, back in our day, we lined up from, from, you know, end zone to end zone, you know, about five yards into the, the field. And when the announcer announced the starting lineup, you took a step forward. And I just remember such a feeling of pride when they called my name starting at defensive end. And I just got a step forward and just seeing my friends, seeing, you know, parents and whatever, A, they were shocked beyond belief that this guy was going to start. But just, it just felt I couldn't describe how proud I was to be wearing that blue and gold uniform and to step forward, you know? So that was one of my biggest memories. And the other biggest memory, like I said, was at, at the state meet my junior year when it was supposed to be a really close race. And I did my start and within three strokes, I already had a body and a half length lead on the entire field. And I, I remember looking down at these guys at my feet and I'm just, it was so surreal. I'm thinking, is this actually happening? How can I be this far ahead? And it's like the whole hundred yard race was just like a dream. You couldn't even believe that it was happening. That was that things, everything was, was going great and you were prepared for peak performance and, you know, something like that. And, and at the end of the, when the race is all done and they, they get you up there on, on the, the podium and to get that, that uh, blue ribbon, gold medal, blue ribbon, you know, and you're wearing your Hastings attire, you know, it just it just was such a thrill and, and so much pride to, to represent Hastings that, you know, it, it carried me through to this day. Awesome. Next one. Uh, who do you think was one of the best coaches you played for? This could be any time uh, throughout your high school career. You talked about growing up, swimming and playing baseball, doing all that kind of stuff, too. So who was one of your favorite coaches and what what kind of characteristics did they bring to help you out? Yeah, I, I already mentioned him. Uh, John Delburn was was my guy. You know, he he started the Hastings swimming program back in 1971. So um, I got to him at about 274, 73, a couple of years later, you know, that I got with him. And what I liked about Coach Delburn was he was, you know, he was a no nonsense guy. You know, um, he he had a son who was on the team. And, you know, when they started goofing around, you know, he, he'd chew his own kid out in front of the rest of the team and say, just because you're the coach's kid, don't think you get to get away with stuff. And, and for whatever reason, like I said, I think it's because we both did backstroke and had a, you know, a kinship there. You know, I just, I really was so impressed with how he brought me up because that was, you know, when you're impressionable at that age, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, you're so impressionable from your coach. And that's one thing, of, you know, about you sports coaches, you need to understand what you're doing with these kids because you may not think so, but you are being an impression on these kids. And that's the way he was with me. 
you know, he really instilled my love of the sport. Uh, so when he decided to step down after my 10th grade year, I was at a loss. You know, that was a, it really shook me because that was my guy. And, and so the next two years, you know, I, I did well, but I think I could have done better had I had him. So, you know, um, it just, you know, he was, he was a great coach. I, I really enjoyed him. Um, you know, I, I had a good club coach as well up in, in, in uh, Woodbury, but I'd have to say that John Delvern was the guy that really made me what I was in swimming. Was he a teacher in town too? Or? He was, he, he taught uh, phi ed. So, um, okay, sorry. you know, it, it really, it was really kind of unfortunate in his case because he was such a, a good guy, but, uh, you know, he was having some family problems, marital problems, and, you know, that can weigh heavy on a person. And, and as an adult, you look back and go, why we do this? But as kids, you came in and said, you know, we wanted to play dodgeball because we were in, we had elective Fayette, you know, there wasn't spark or this or what it can do. It was elective Fayette. And so we still did handball. We did, you know, we called a murder ball back in the day, dodgeball, you know, trench ball, whatever. Every day we'd come in yelling, we want to play trench ball. And he just was going through so much turmoil in his life that he finally one day just gave up, threw the balls out in the corner and said, all right, have at it. And so we played dodgeball every day for a month straight in elective Fayette. We had a blast, but it's funny at the end of the month, I think every single guy was ready to kill each other because you, you started slamming people with balls all the time. Um, you know, so, but, you know, just to, just to have him be able to, I go to him after our swimmates too, after he had retired from coaching and I, I tell him all about, you know, our meets and such. And, you know, I didn't get it as a, as a young kid, but one day he, you know, he finally told me, he says, I want you to understand, he goes, it's not that I'm not interested in how it went. He said, it's hard for me because I'm no longer doing it, you know, and, and so you look back as an adult and go, man, that must have been tough on, on a person who put their heart and soul into it. And then just life happened and, and he wasn't able to do it anymore. So you try to keep things in perspective, you know, throughout your coaching career. Awesome. So we talked about one of your favorite coaches. Let's transition to one of your favorite teammates. So who was one of your favorite teammates that you competed with in high school and uh, what kind of characteristics did they bring? To the so team? there was a guy, there was a guy that was two years older than me. He was a senior when I was a sophomore. And uh, if any of y'all listen to uh, country radio, the wolf, you know, one Oh three, Greg thunder. So Greg thunder is from Hastings. His real name is Greg Melbourne. Uh, his, his mom, Mary taught the district for years. Uh, she with the special, you know, special education kids and whatnot, but Greg, Greg Melvin was a blast because what he taught me was don't take things too seriously, have fun and just enjoy the ride. I mean, that's, that's really what it was all about. Cause he was, he was a big goof off, you know, coach Delburn would get mad at him at times cause he was, you know, horsing around, but you know, he was just a fun guy and we did stupid things like, you know, we, he had, his nickname was Animal, and he swam the distance a race. One one time we we brought, came in with some big chains and we chained his leg onto the to the uh, lifeguard stand. We put a big sign up there, "Beware of Animal," and just dumb things like that. And he went along with it. And you know he was just a crazy driver. I'm surprised we're still all here. He never got in an accident, but he was just a crazy driver. And just a guy like that is, a, is such a fun teammate because you don't. He, he was a guy that could keep you loose. You know, and you're going to perform well when you're loose. If you're too wound up, sometimes you just get choked. So, and uh, he was just, let's go have some fun. And when we're done, we'll go get some pizza someplace and, you know, pitch or a pop and, and just, you know, have fun. That's awesome. Talking about you and we could talk about swimming or football as well, any kind of sports you played, but the improvement process that took place with you. So you talked about placing at the state tournament in your ninth grade year. And then you place as well. Uh, you did not place your 10th grade year. And then you won the state your 11th and 12th grade year. Was there a big improvement that took place between any of those years, maybe between eighth and ninth grade or any of the years of high school? Or was it kind of a gradual increase? And then maybe just talk about what went into that improvement process. What were you doing that, that helped you with swimming? Right. Well, you know, I, I'd say probably, you know, I was – I was doing really well in, in, in the backstroke events in particular you know, in, in swimming and probably between eighth grade, and ninth grade years where I really kind of hit my stride. You know, again, I was still kind of struggling a little bit with weight, you know, at, at, in the middle or junior high years, middle school years, whatever. And, and I remember, you know, I decided, okay, I'm going to lose some weight. And so what I ended up doing was, you know, not the great you know, nutritionists out there, but 
my lunch consisted of a half a cheese sandwich and an apple. That's all I ate every single day. You know, and I ended up dropping 18 pounds, got skinny. And it's, it's funny how when you lose that weight, just that much less you got to pull through the water. You know, got a little stronger and, and some of the weight programs that we were doing. And really, that was when it took off when I hit that ninth grade year and, and also was able to move up to varsity where I had a little bit harder training. Um, you didn't have so many kids like in the junior high where the kids go out for fun. They aren't necessarily that serious about it. And they kind of screw off and get in your way and whatever. And once you get to the high school level, those guys are more serious. The coach is more serious. And that was really probably the transition period from eighth to ninth grade where it made the biggest difference. That's awesome. And then, uh, personally about you hobbies, what do you like doing outside the pool during high school? Any of that stuff transitioned to your adult life as well. So things you like doing outside of, of pool and sports. Yeah. You know, when I was, when I was growing up, you know, I was, I was also in music. Uh, I was in band um, and I played trombone in the, in, in band and marching band and high school band and all, all the way through from fifth grade on. And uh, I had, I had one of those things kind of called a, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. I could play by ear. So because I hear the music and as, as I was playing it, I didn't necessarily have to work hard at learning the notes because I just, I could hear it. And I remember uh, one of our, our former athletic director, Tom Johnson, his mom was, was a teacher and a band teacher. And one time I had her in, in class, I went into a lesson and I played a note and she said, what, what note is that? And I said, I don't know, it's fourth position on my horn. She says, no, what's the name of the note? And I don't know, it's fourth position. She goes, how do you not know the name of the notes? She said, you're playing these notes, but you don't know. She said, what if you have a sharp or a flat? And I said, she was, how do you know? I said, because I hear it. Oh, she said, oh, Gerald Rump, you're exasperating. She was so upset. But, you know, so I, I played guitar. I, le I learned to play uh, six string guitar. A buddy of mine, you know, he started playing. And I said, how do you play that? He goes, I'm not showing you. Figure it out yourself. So, you know, I started playing guitar and, and I was really kind of in the music. I played drums a little bit. Um, you know, of course, we had a garage band horrible. We stunk, but it was fun. Um, so did that. And, and, you know, moving forward now as an adult, you know, I like to go up to our cabin. We, you know, we, uh, I go out fishing all the time. I don't ice fish, never ice fish. I don't have a shack and I don't want to sit outside in a bucket freezing my tail off. So, you know, I go out in the morning and just go tool around for a couple hours and I drag a hook back there and see what runs into it. If I don't catch anything, no big deal. Start my day. Um, you know, I was involved in other sports once I got done with the swimming, you know, I, I, Dropped baseball, but I got back into softball, rec softball. I enjoyed that, you know, coached my daughter for all her fast pitch career. And and uh, so, you know, those are the things that are big to me, the music and just kind of involved in other sports. Awesome. So I got to ask you a question. Your son, John, told me about your pitcher in the hallway and how you don't have goggles on. So let's hear <laughs> let's hear the story. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. When I swam in high school, I never wore goggles uh, in races because I was always kind of afraid that if, if, you know, if you did your start and your goggle filled up the water, you can't see. And now you're really in trouble. You're trying to pull a goggle off at your swimming. And especially if you put your goggles on first and then your swim cap on second, there's no way you're getting those goggles off. They're stuck underneath your swim cap. So Number one, I never wore a swim cap in high school until I got to the state meet. That was kind of like my my psych up thing. You know, it's like it's what I need to get get fired up. And so the picture that was in the hallway there was actually taken my junior year at the University of Minnesota. So, you know, if anybody looks closely, I can see I have kind of a little scruffy scruff, you know, there. And um, we were, you know, kind of like hockey players in, in high art college or whatever, they don't shave, you know, so we didn't shave all season until we got to the very end. So I'm not wearing goggles in that particular photo, just because, you know, the, the gal came over from the student newspaper, the Minnesota Daily, and want to get a bunch of shots. And so of course you want to see your face, right? So take the goggles off and, and uh, you know, so I got a Minnesota cap on there and whatever, but, you know, eventually in college, because of the number of yards that we swam, you'd be blind with just the amount of time your eyes are in the chlorine. So you had to start wearing goggles all the time. Then my hair turned yellow and straw-like and you had to start wearing a swim cap and you kind of progress from there. And now, of course, it's gone. But uh, we always joke that's the chlorine took it away. Um, but, you know, I never, never, you know, really wanted to wear goggles until I hit the college age and decided I need to start wearing them. And it was amazing. Once you get used to doing things and you know, changed up your routine a little bit and realized it's not so bad and it's going to work out okay. You really embrace that change and, and, and go forward from it. That's awesome. Kind of reminds me of 
the uh, the Miami football players back in the day uh, taking off their helmet after they scored touchdowns and stuff because they they were saying none, none of the kids at school were going to recognize them who they were scoring touchdowns. Yeah. So that's why they. T- <laughs> but it reminds you of you taking off your goggles, so they would recognize who you are. That's pretty funny. Well, it was kind of fun because I got I got on the front page of the Minnesota Daily that day, you know. So it was like, wow, a swimmer gets front page billing. That was unheard of because UGS football, hockey, basketball, the big three, right? So to have a swimmer on the front page was was kind of fun. You're not walking around with your goggles on all day, so they, yeah, no. they're not going to recognize you then. So that's awesome. All right, so you graduated from the University of Minnesota. Walk us through the next steps in your life, um, and then and then just kind of where life led from that point. Yeah, so you know, I, I graduated from University of Minnesota, and uh, I had applied to uh, chiropractic college over in in uh, Bloomington, Northwestern Health Sciences University. So. Uh, got in, got in over there, and and uh, while I was there, um, I got one of my first coaching jobs, coaching little kids, you know, novice kids, and you know, as I said, by the time I finished my college, you know, compete, you know, competing career, or whatever, like a lot of athletes, you're all burned out, you're done, uh, and so my first job was an assistant coach teaching little novice kids, little seven and eight year olds, you know, and watching them come to the pool so excited just to get involved, get in the water, get wet. It brought you all back to why you started in the first place and why you love the sport that you're doing. You know, it's like the enthusiasm, you know, the, the job was gone. It's just sheer joy of being there. So, you know, I did that while I was in chiropractic college, you know, I was four years over at uh, Northwestern and um, you know, my last year at Northwestern, the swim coach job opened up at Hastings high school the the boys coach decided he didn't want to do the boys anymore he just wanted to focus on girls because he had both programs so that 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 job opened up and i remember you know my, my mom got a hold of me and says the, the swim coach job is open and i said well that's great but you have to be a teacher you can't get the job unless you're a teacher because you have to have, you know it was the catch-22 back then you had you have a coaching certificate but you can't get a coaching certificate unless you're a teacher so i said well they'll never let me do it because of that and so I talked to the AD back then, which was Don Miller. He says, well, we can maybe work around that. Why don't you come in and interview? And so I came in and interviewed and uh, there were two other candidates and, and uh, they gave me the job. And I was so excited to have my first, you know, head coaching job. And, and uh, you know, I had four guys that were pretty decent athletes. And, and, you know, I got in their heads because, you know, you can just come in somewhat fresh from college. You can start working on some of the attitude and whatnot and got in their heads and they went out and, and they placed the highest that Hastings ever has in, in boys swimming at the state meet. We placed fifth place. So we were pretty excited about that, you know, with just four basic guys, but, you know, so I, I did my, you know, the university or did the uh, Northwestern and, and uh, decided to open up my own practice uh, back in Hastings. So I came back and, uh, opened up in May of 1991, um, still coaching. And, you know, I made it work between coaching, working at my practice, and I also worked two nights a week overnight at a hotel on the University of Minnesota campus. I used to be a Radisson. And so I worked two nights a week as a night manager. So I was juggling three jobs, all trying to get this thing done. But, you know, I just, I love the coaching part of it so much that I wanted to stay with it. And that's kind of the reason why I moved back to Hastings. I was living in Apple Valley at the time. And I said, I want to stay coaching. So how can I do that? You know, I've, I, I have a head coaching job here. This is what I want to do. And so I moved back to Hastings and decided to open up my own practice. And, and that way I can do what I really love. That's awesome. So you've been the head boys coach since 1991? Actually, so my first year coaching boys was the 1988-89 season. So that's when I took over. And then two years later, uh in it was the fall of 91 um i got the girls job so for a, I have, a number of years i had both positions um you know full-time positions there they had coaching until i think it was uh almost been 2002 my son john was was two years old my wife says i can't do this anymore you need to quit coaching so i i stepped away for you know two years and then uh you know, that second year out, uh, Tom Johnson came to me on the sidelines of a football game because I was kind of working as a sports chiropractor on the sidelines. So there's a chance to get on the field. I, I was enjoying that. And, uh, you know, so so Tom came to me and he says, well, our swim coach just quit and we don't have anybody. And it was like less than a month before boys season was supposed to start. He says, do you have any interest in coming back? 
yeah, I do, but these are the restrictions and the, and the things that I can and cannot do. He says, no problem. We'll work around it. You can come back. So two-year hiatus, I got back in there again and, and uh, started doing it and, you know, just never looked back. I, I gave up the girls' position, but I kept the boys and um, eventually worked my way back in as an assistant in, in the girls. And, you know, it's just, it's just been so much fun and so rewarding to work with these kids throughout the years. That's awesome. What year did you start? Well, with the girls again, being an assistant. I started in the fall of 1991. Okay. And then uh, four years. So it was kind of funny because the girls had won the state title in 1989. Uh, and then two years later, um, through some of the things uh, that the girls coach was doing and how he was treating the female athletes, his contract did not get renewed if you can take that and, you know, run with it. And so I was kind of waiting in the wings because I was always hoping to get both programs whenever the other coach no longer wanted to do it or whatever happened. And so uh, his contract wasn't renewed and I picked that up in, in the fall of 1991. And, and four years later in 1995, we had enough talent in grades 12 through seven that we were able to pull off a, a, a state championship. And, you know, the feeling is amazing. You know, you look at the, the number of coaches throughout their entire careers and no matter what sport it's in, they never are lucky enough to, to have enough athletes to pull off a state championship. And, you know, it's just, I look back at it now and you realize more, the older you get, how special it was, you know, you're, you're going, you're going through the moment. It's, it's a lot of managing egos and, and trying to keep them all together and, and working as, as a unit. And it was stressful, very hard, very stressful to get all those egos to work together and to get kids to not want to quit on you because you push them so hard. You know, looking back now, it's like that was such a special bunch that it was just, it was just so much fun to think about. I'm sure it must be hard coaching swimming too. Just so many events that you have to find someone that's going to fit into all those different events. Is that something you struggle with or something maybe you excel in as a coach too, where you can find the talent kind of in someone? and whether they're going to fit better for the team or better individually? Yeah, you know, you, you, you try to figure out, you know, by watching the kids who might look better at a certain certain event. There are some kids, you know, like, for example, taking two different events here, breaststroke, or breaststroke is one of them on the strokes, and butterfly is the other one. Breaststrokers typically can't do butterfly because when you do breaststroke, you're supposed to turn your feet out. Well, they can't kick butterfly because they're always doing breaststroke kick. And in conversely, you take a butterflyer, he doesn't know how to turn his feet out to do breaststroke. So it's counterintuitive for these guys, you know, and, and some of those guys struggle with that. So if he's recognized it's not working, you try to put him in the best event you can. Now, you know, we've got some kids this year that, um, you know, through the last couple of years, who kind of figured out, well, this might be a better event for them, a better fit for them going through section meets and whatnot. And so you kind of tailor them. And what I will do is, uh, you know, a lot of coaches will just write a workout and go, okay, here's a workout, slap it up on a wall or whatever. You know, when I have teams that, that have a, a, a wide variety of talent, I'll run five workouts at the same time. You know, I'll take kids and it's a little tougher now with COVID, but I'll take, okay, you two, you guys are a distance guide. You're going to go over here now. And now you come over here because you're a butterfly. You're going to get with this person and, you know, just do five different workouts all in my head at the same time and, and get what you think is going to work best for their specialty to try to train them. And i tell you what, and that's one thing you, as a coach, you learn from when you were as an athlete, right? So when I went to college, you know, my event, the backstroke used to be a hundred yard backstroke in high school. And then when you went to college, it doubled the distance. It was a 200 yard backstroke. Now, remember when I said I had exercise induced asthma and a restricted windpipe, a 200 killed me because you were in such oxygen depth for that length of, of the swim that, you know, I did okay in it, but it wasn't my bread and butter. The hundred was my bread and butter. And my point is that had my coach recognized that this is where he should train is at that level, that particular event is what he should do. He could be way better at than trying to force him into something that he's just not physically designed to do. So taking that, my own experience and moving it into the high school level, I said, okay, let's take kids and put them in their, their strengths and work their strengths to make them the best that they can be at that strength. They'll be okay at the other things, but we want to maximize where they can go with their best event. And it feels good to them and it feels good to the team and it works out well. So taking that past experience and put it into the coaching realm really has helped out our program. 
Awesome. So you've been a coach for over 30 years now. What's been one of the most memorable, memorable uh, sports moments that is not competition related? Not competition related. Well, you know, this is kind of a cool thing because it was kind of an honor for me. One of my guys who, who swam for me graduated in 1995, uh, went to the University of Minnesota, whatever, swam and, and met a gal there and decided to get married. So he came and asked me if I would be in his wedding. It's like, you know, not too many high school coaches get asked to be in their athletes' weddings, you know. And so that was kind of a cool thing for me. And it just kind of the bond, showed the bond that we made through all those years. He came to me as a little snot-nosed seventh grader. And now here he is asking me to be in his wedding. So, you know, that was really kind of a cool thing, you know, and, and really an honor for me to, to be involved with that. Awesome. Same question then. One of the most memorable moments from coaching uh, that is competition related. Well, I got this is a tough one, so I got to kind of give you a couple of different scenarios here, right? So the first one I'd have to say is, you know, in 1995, Eden Prairie was a heavily favored to win the state girls swim meet. You know, we were down here in Podunk Hastings, and no one knew anything about us, and. And uh, they had a cable broadcast and the commentators kept talking about Eden Prairie and they go, oh, yeah, Hastings is hanging around, but Eden Prairie's coming. No, they're coming. You know, and, and all throughout the meet, they couldn't believe it's like, well, Hastings is sticking around. And to take a bunch of kids from our own town. And back then, you know, transferring was was so rampant. You didn't have to sit out a year of eligibility. I mean, there were kids that literally played football for Eden Prairie and then went and played basketball at Hopkins. In the same year, they transferred schools because that's where the school was the best. And so in our sport, you know, you had a bunch of transfers and you, you saw that in Eden Prairie, they had picked up a couple of kids from Minnetonka and they were just a super team. So they were talking, talking, talking about Eden Prairie. And to see our kids go up there with the, that bunch and to pull off the state title, we set, the, we, we set a record for the most points scored at a state meet up to that point. You know, and in the exclamation point was at the very end, the very last relay, um, Eden Prairie put their big dogs and I put my big dogs out there and we had a girl come from behind to win the race. And everybody's kind of like, who is this Hastings bunch? Where'd they come from? And so just, it was so rewarding to knock off those big, you know, high powered, you know, teams that had all these transfers in and this and that. And our little kids, little river rats down here at Hastings got it done. So that was probably my biggest one. But I also have to say that, you know, throughout my, my you know, dual meet coaching career, um, in the very next year in 96, we went against Woodbury. They had an 86 meet win streak. They hadn't lost in 86 meets. So that went back probably 10 years, I would assume. They came to our pool and we knocked them off. So we, we, somebody had a poster made up. 86 and one. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's kind of cool. You know, and so, so knocking them off and girls swimming and then, and then beating Stillwater because they were a, a powerhouse. We knocked them off one year in boys swimming. And now just to add to it was Thursday beating St. Thomas for the first time ever in my 32 year coaching career. Wow. Those are some pretty memorable moments. That's pretty sweet. Um, so Dr. Up, something, what would something be that you're passionate about today? Uh, I know coaching is still it sounds like coaching is still something that you're super passionate, even after doing it for 30 years, but it could be coaching. It could be sports swimming, just something that you're pretty passionate about today. You know, what I'm passionate about today, probably, you know, one of the biggest things that I see is trying to make a memorable experience for everybody that comes out for our program. You know, those days back in the nineties, when we had those really good teams, you know, I can think back to, you know, probably how I spent a lot more time with those upper level kids and not so much with the JVers and, and kids like that. And so for me now, a, a, a big passion is just to get to know everybody on the team, um, find out what makes them tick. You know, it's not just because they're a great athlete or a horrible athlete. They're all people. And when they come in, you want to make, make their day. And at the end of the day, when they walk out of there and they can remember something, you made it, you know, an impact on them it means more to me over 32 years than a, than a one loss record. You know, it's just, just making a difference in somebody's lives and, and, and hopefully, you know, in, in a positive way. That's awesome. So 
as an adult here, uh, what, what kind of ways are you still taking lessons from sports when you were in high school or from coaching and still applying them to your daily life right now? Yeah, one of the things that I, I try to remember is, is not to play favorites. Um, you know, I, I was kind of on the losing end of, of playing favorites in, in, in some of the high school stuff, like, like football, for example, you know, it's kind of wasn't back then it was like the townies all played. And if you weren't a townie, you didn't play, you know, and so you might be the same equal ability and talent, but you didn't play because you didn't have the name of Johnson or Smith or whatever it was. And so moving forward, I look at that now and, 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 you know, not to play favorites with any of my athletes, spread out my time. If nothing else, I think I see now I spend more time talking to my lower level athletes than my upper level ones. I give them their workouts. They know what they need to do. I give them the coaching advice, but I spend a ton of time with the other kids. And so just to, you know, just to spread it out and, and like I say, make sure that no one feels like I don't matter. You know, why am I even here? You know, you want to make, make sure that everybody feels like they matter. Awesome. One thing I did forget to ask you was your family about your family here. So you talked about having a son in 2000. So walk us through just your family and, and moving back yeah. to Hastings and, and, and uh, just that stuff. Yeah. So um, I have two kids, a daughter and a son, Catherine and John. Um, like I say, Catherine was kind of a little sporty type, you know, when she was a little kid, she played, you know, basketball and, and softball and, and different things, you know, wasn't much of a skater, but then again, neither was her dad. So she didn't have a chance on that one. But, um, you know, uh, it was, it was interesting that with, with Catherine, you know, she swam because dad was a coach and after her ninth grade year, you know, she was really hesitant to come talk to me. She wanted to have a sit down and, uh, she was afraid of what I was going to say, you know, and she said, dad, you know, I, I don't really enjoy swimming that much. You know, it's not really something that I really enjoy to do, you know, and, um, you know, I knew she she played some tennis too in the, in the summer. I said, you want to go play tennis? Go play tennis. You don't have to swim because dad's a coach, you know, go do what you want to do, not what you think dad wants you to do. So, you know, that was about a one minute conversation and it just cleared her mind and she went and played tennis in the spring instead. You know, of course I had coached her from you know, nine years old all the way through with fast pitch softball. I was, I was the, you know, the team's coach. And so, you know, we had a huge bond on that. And, you know, sometimes it's tough being the, like I told her one time when she was younger, I said, remember, Catherine, you're never going to be get picked as MVP of the game. You will never get that snack at the end of the game because you worked the hardest. I can't give it to you. I mean, just understand you probably were, but I can't do it. I'll, you'll never get that award, but just know that you did, you know, you, you know, make a difference. So my son came along, you know, he wasn't much of an athlete early on, you know, he had to go against big sister who was always beating him and stuff. And, and, um, you know, he, he played football, he got him, got him into tennis and, and uh, swimming, he played some basketball and, and, um, you know, he played basketball, I think through sixth grade. And then, and then uh, we had a conversation in seventh grade, he says, dad, what should I do basketball or swimming? I said, well, first of all, I want to let you know, whatever you do, I'm going to support you. I'll be there in the stands, whichever way you go, you got my blessing. Now let's analyze this. Okay. You know where you are in a basketball program. You're on the B team. You know what that tells you? So you may not letter until you're a senior. You may not touch the court ever because there are younger guys coming up. You know, that's kind of where basketball is heading because you can kind of see the handwriting on the wall, how the team starts separating out. You don't like to shoot baskets. You're not real tall at this point. Now, if we talk about swimming, you come off for swimming. Most kids in my program will letter by ninth grade because of performance points we give them and, and give them opportunities to, to perform well. So take some time to think about it. Give a couple of weeks and think about which sport. It, it took him about three hours. He came back and said, Dad, I'm going to go swimming. It was the right choice. You know, he ends up being an all-state swimmer, you know, three years in a row and, and uh, you know, had a great career. So, um, you know, it, it was kind of fun watching him come through that. And, of course, he played tennis and, and destroyed dad's knee in ninth grade because I went out and tried to play against him. And, you know, he beat me up pretty good as an old man. And I had to go get a knee surgery because of it. But, um, you know, those guys. And, and so now, you know, Catherine went on University of North Dakota. She got a nursing degree. Uh, was recently hired down at Mayo Clinic. Well, actually, she's working for St. Mary's Hospital with the Mayo system. 
uh, as, as registered nurse. So she's you know got a great career there. And John's up at the University of Minnesota uh, studying chemical engineering, which I, I can't even fathom. Number one, being online in college and having the, the, the wherewithal to even get up and you know do your classes. And then much less chemical engineering. That just blows my mind that kids can do that online. You know, this particular weekend, John sat at the, at the uh, dining room table for 12 hours working on a project because it had to be done by midnight. You know, stuff like that just amazed me how a lot of kids these days really can, you know, they have that motivation to, to get it done. And, and just, you know, my hat's off to these kids for doing what they're doing out there with the electronic world and, and, and getting it done. That's awesome. Uh, and how long have you you've been married for? We got married in 1987. So do the math on that one. Is that 34 years? <laughs> Somewhere around there. Pretty close. Yeah. All right. Well, that's really sweet. That's awesome. Last couple questions then for you here, Dr. Up. Uh, if you could give two pieces of advice to parents or coaches uh, from your perspective, 30 years of coaching, uh, dad of two, married for 34 years here, uh, what, would, what would these two pieces of advice be? Well, for the parents, I would say let the coaches coach. And what you need to do is support your athlete. And, and uh, I had written something down. Basically, I, I, I said, you know, if, if, if your kid wants to do something, go to the ends of the earth to support them. But if they don't want to do something, don't push them off the cliff. You know, let them do what they want to do. And case in point, my daughter in swimming and tennis. Let them follow their dream. And, and just be supportive and support them in what they do and don't second guess a coach for not playing enough minutes or this or that or whatever. Just support your kid and, and let them have fun. Um, you know, and as, as far as athletes go, you know, the biggest thing that we tell the kids all the time is trust the process. Coaches have a game plan. They know what they wanna do, where they're going with what, whatever part of the season they're in they have a plan. So trust the plan. And if you don't understand, you know, what it is that you're doing, have an adult conversation with a coach, ask them, ask them a question. Why are we doing, what are we doing? And, and, you know, in a genuine method and a coach can a lot of times sit down and say, this is why we do what we do, you know, to try to explain to kids. And that's one thing out. People always ask me, what do you like coaching better boys or girls? You know, and I always said, well, they're two different animals. You know, boys are the, the boys are the, the mentality of you tell them something and they say, why, you know, and the caveman coach says, because I said so. Okay. Girls, you better have a reason because they were so much more cerebral in high school than high school boys. You had to have a reason for what you're doing. So, and there are many times when it got questioned is, well, why are we doing this? You better be ready with an answer. But, but understand that these kids, you know, if you have a question, you ask your coach, you make a dialogue with them and become, you know, partners in training. Yes, they're their coach. You're the athlete, but get on board with them and work together. And, and it's amazing how far you can go with that. That's awesome. Uh, same kind of question then. If you could give two pieces of advice to student athletes, what would they be and why? Well, that's kind of, you know, just basically, you know, enjoy what you're doing, you know, do the sport because you love what you're doing. And, you know, if, if you're burned out, take some time away. Um, you know, coaches will push you, push you, push you. And some coaches are better about it than others. I know some coaches that think if you take a week off, you're three years behind, you know, in high school, I, there, there was a, a great example. I, I think, um, uh, coach Bob Majeski's son, Jake, was when he was back in high school, you know, he was a tremendous three-star athlete, um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete, you know, along with Danny Watson, some of those guys back in the late nineties. Somebody asked him, you know, he and I had this conversation. Somebody asked him one time, well, Jake, what's your favorite sport? And Jake's answer was, it's the one I'm playing right now mm -hmm. because I love what I'm doing. You know, he played football, he played hockey, he played baseball. He did those things because he loved what he was doing. So for athletes, love what you're doing, you know, don't be there if you know, or take some time away if you need it, because mentally you need to clear your head to be a better athlete, you know, and, and secondly, you know, making sure that, you know, athletes understand that there's more to life than just your sport. 
there's academics, there's family, there might be faith life, there's other things that are very important that you may not see it at the time. Like this is the only one and only thing I do. I live and breathe wrestling or basketball or whatever. Man, there's more to life than that, you know, and, and branch out and realize that for everybody, you know, it all comes to an end somewhere down the line, whether you finish high school, you finish college, you blow out a knee 10th grade year, everybody comes to an end at some point. And, and so, you know, you've got to have something to, to branch out on and something else that you love to do. And that's, you know, remember that. That's awesome. Dr. Up, that's all the questions I got for you. I'll just open the floor up to you. Anything else? I didn't ask you about um, anything else you want to talk about. The floor is yours. Well, you know, it, it, there's one question that, that you you had brought up earlier, and it was uh, uh, it, it went back to college years and 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 coaching and who were you know influences and whatever. When I was finishing up my college career, like I said, I was burned out. I was so done. I just couldn't wait to be done. Right. That year was the year University of Minnesota hired Lou Holtz as a football coach. Okay, so um, you know they have uh, what's called the M the M banquets. At the end of the year, all the varsity athletes get their little M pin, and you get you know basically rewarded for you know being a varsity athlete and, and lettering. So here I am as a senior at this award this awards banquet because I was getting the outstanding swimming award for that year. So we're sitting there, and and uh, the athletic director gets up and introduces Lou Holtz. So he's just this little guy, talks like this, and he's kind of funny, you know, but he started talking to that group and you could just see people sitting up straighter, getting taller, feeling bigger. Watching this man motivate in 10 minutes, every single guy in that room was ready to run through brick walls. How many more coach? I mean, just, to, to have a, you know, a motivator like that who just gets, gets in their heads. And you know who I think of when I think of Lou Holtz? A guy at the Hastings level that I saw for years, Paul Vite. Paul Vite is that kind of a guy, you, you, you know, you've mm-hmm. seen him, what he can do, what he can do in the heads of high school kids with his enthusiasm. I always – you know, when we, when we have, you know, lyceums or whatever, have the sports, uh, the, uh, what they call those like pep rallies or whatever, to watch Paul get up there and just control that audience with his enthusiasm and what he, how he could say things that just fired everybody up. It's like, gosh, I wish I could talk like that. That guy is just amazing. And, and that's, you know, some of those guys that you take lessons from throughout your coaching career and you see, that's pretty cool. You know, that's things, that's something you, it's hard to learn. You can't learn that. You, you have to have it in here. And it's just fun to watch guys like that do it. So I guess that's all I got to say. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Up, for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. All right.